When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Welcome to The Actor's Choice, where the actors and actresses have a chance to talk about themselves and their careers. Join us now for the next hour as we explore the marvelous industry of acting by actors and actresses from today's exciting show business world. And now, direct from Hollywood, here's your host, Ron Brewington. Everybody, I'm Ron Brewington, and welcome to The Actor's Choice. Roll it, Tony. gentlemen my first guest today comes from brooklyn new york he's a graduate of penn state university started teaching mathematics to eighth grade students and later had a chance to write his first feature screenplay and the rest is history ladies and gentlemen please welcome director producer and writer marky smalls marky bless you for being here today and welcome to the actor's choice well thank you ron thank you ron i'm really uh, happy and excited to be here today with you all and really looking forward to having a conversation with you Definitely, definitely. You know, they say it takes the right time to be bitten by this business as a filmmaker. But when it does happen, man, you're on your way. Is that true? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I definitely got a big bite when I was uh, in my early 20s. And I was like, you know what? I knew exactly what I want to do from here on out. Hmm. Okay. Now, in 1997, you started your own production company called Homegrown Productions. What were your early projects back in those days? My early projects, um, our initials project was uh, called The Platinum Party, which is a hip hop musical, a feature screenplay that I wrote that actually got me a little bit of recognition and connections that to this day have really helped pay off for me um, throughout my entire journey into this business. Um, and then from there, I actually wound up winning a screenwriting award for my second script, which was called um, Adrenaline, Ride or Die. And, um, it was a hip hop science fiction movie that I wrote in, you know, just real homage to the Star Wars franchises. I'm a big Star Wars buff. And it was like my hip hop version of Star Wars. And, um, and that really, again, it just continues to elevate, you know, my, my, um, my persona as well as my brand and people just really got to know me. And then I wound up producing um, uh, one of the earliest web series called Toilet Blunts. Um, and the web series itself was called The Chronicles. And it was all centered around funny things that would happen to my young college student lead characters um, whenever they got high on weed. <laughs> it, was like my, it was like my New York version of Friday. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, Toilet Blunts was good for you because you got your first IMDb director, producer, and writer credits. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It definitely yeah. Uh, opened the doors for me, and it really got me a lot of attention. It, it premiered and screened at the Urban World Film Festival. Right. And, um, you know, really got the ball rolling. And I got to work with great actors uh, mm -hmm. from Bernadette Lipscomb-Hunt to Stephen Hill, who's now on the Magnum P.I. as a new TC, um, and really just continued to grow from there. That's what it's all about, that growth. Because you had right. the education. You had a degree, and you mm -hmm. was doing well. That's the first thing, get that degree. I tell everybody. I teach at a college, and I keep telling my students, three E's, energy, excuse me, education, exposure, and experience. Get them three E's and get That's it on right. Yes. That's right. Where do you get the ideas that you do for these projects? Well, it comes from mainly experience, but then also just growing up. Like I grew up in Marcy Projects, which is, you know, people might be familiar with it because it's where Jay-Z also grew up, you know, the famous rapper. And it was a really downtrodden type of place that was all brick walls around us. And so as a young kid, one way that I really 
got away from a lot of the negativity and things that we only had access to um, was to immerse myself in comic books and my imagination. So I really developed early that ability to create characters, create stories, um, and just really take my mind off of what was always in front of me every day. And, and I think I've carried that with me throughout my entire adult life. I see. Being in a project, I can understand you. I was born and raised in New York City in Harlem. Mm, you live in the St. Nicholas Projects in New York right, City. There you go. Yes. Yeah, I so know you what you're talking about. And mm -hmm. so without a lot of, um, you know, real positive influences and a lot of positive activities, like mm -hmm. for me, I just always wanted more. And I always wanted to see different worlds. And I always wanted to, you know, imagine things that we didn't necessarily have readily available to us. And I think that that's what really helped me develop my skills. And then on the other side of it too, I have to mention this, my mother, she was a creative um, person herself who actually got her degree in creative writing. And so I think that some of that trickled down to me as well, because she was always stressing, right? She was, she would take me to poetry slams that she would do. And she would do her poetry readings. And I would sit there like, why are people snapping? <laughs> like, um, <laughs> like, you know, and I'm just a little kid. I'm, I'm just, you know, seven, eight, nine years old. But you know, just being in those environments in New York City during that time in the um, late 70s, early 80s, it just really helped me um, develop a, a way mentally to kind of just stay focused on, you know, developing my creativity. God bless your mother. God bless your mother. Thank you. Also, you had, you had something he didn't say, but I'm going to say it for him. My friend, you got a damn good attitude, a very good attitude. <laughs> and that's part of the game. You got to have a good attitude, positive all the way, all the way. Yeah. Got to. I got, you know, again, I feel like I've been blessed to have, you know, good influences from my mom to my grandmother, um, you know, to just other family members. And then even in some of the, you know, what seemingly were some negative places, for whatever reason, I always had those people who would stop me and say like, hey, you know, this thing is not for you. Like, don't get caught up in that. Don't hang around with these kids, like more hang around with these kids instead um, and just not get in trouble. Um, because they they always I guess they saw that like I was I was pretty smart, and they really thought that I could do better than what we had access to, and and I was always encouraged to continue, you know, to move forward, which I think is what led me to want to be be a teacher, and even now in my production role and as a producer, mentor so many people and as a director as well. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Two thousand eight, you had another movie come out, another short film called. Poppy Chulo. Yeah. 21 minutes long. That's right. That's right. <laughs> um, that was the first film that I really told a personal story because I was going through at the time, you know, entering into entertainment, um, you know, it's a very uncertain business. And so it, it definitely makes you have to shift your mentality from the stability of getting a check every two weeks. Because as a teacher, I was used to you know, having benefits, getting paid regularly, and it was just on a constant cycle. But moving into um, entertainment and writing and, and directing and producing, you know, really, the, you know, the money doesn't come um, consistently all the time. So it was definitely a shift. And so I had a story around relationships because at the time, women that I was dealing with, like, they really were encouraging me to just stay, you know, in the, the financial space of always being able to make money, make money, make money. And I was like, well, I do want to make money, but I, I wake up every morning having to write these characters and having to write these stories. And I need to figure out a way to get paid for that as well. And so it was just, Harvey Chulo came around because I was having a conversation with my lead actor, Johnny, who was also in my um, Chronicles web series um, and, and Toilet Blunts. And he was having the same experience as an actor. And he was having an issue with his girlfriend at the time who wasn't you know, really um, giving him the support that he felt as a man he needed to pursue his dream. And so that's where Papi Chulo came from. It was us wanting to tell that story of what it was like to be a man and have all of these pressures on you to continue to be the provider and continue to be the breadwinner while still being able to pursue your dreams. Excellent, excellent. The year's 2010, another short. It was a horror thriller, four minutes in durations, called Hostage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got your actor. One of my your, favorite films. Yeah, you were the act you were acting that film, weren't you? Yeah, I was. I was. I played the I played a voice role, like the voice role of the character who was uh -huh. um in that film, 
I basically had these representations of capitalism, the healthcare debate, um, the, the, the terrorism at the time debate, um, as well as, you know, just the whole notion of the Republican Party at the time. And so I embodied them in characters that then kidnapped an average citizen and held him hostage and basically was trying to control his mind around where they wanted his focus and attention to be. And it really is amazing that that film eventually got picked up and went to Abu Dhabi and all over the world as a way to just show people that I kind of had a broader sense of like how, especially when it came to the marketing of things from, you know, at that point it was the swine flu. Like people today would, you know, recognize more so like around the pandemic and around coronavirus. But at that point it was the swine flu. There was, you know, the economics, it was the Republican Party still kind of doing some of the same things that they're doing today. And it was also um, just that whole notion of like Islamic terrorism being the main threat. And I was just like, well, I don't really buy all of this stuff. Like it just wasn't really making sense to me. And I needed a way to deal with those things creatively um, to make sense of it for myself. And it definitely uh, was a was a moment of therapy for me making that film. <laughs> Got you. Marquise, we just happen to have a clip. Roll it, Tony. Okay, just give me a minute to get set down here. Okay, all set. Got you now. All right. Very nice. Very nice. Very, very nice. Yeah. So that was them taking him into their lair so they, they could yes. uh, torture him. And that was another big issue back then, too. You remember we were hearing a lot about torture and waterboarding and yes. Guantanamo Bay. And so all of those things were like just on my mind at the time. And I wanted to address them through my art. Okay. How many short films have you done? Wow. Um, I think at this point, I am up to 14. Okay. That's yeah. in, my, in my research, it says 14, yes. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, I'm up to 14. And, and again, I think, you know, I haven't necessarily had major access besides, you know, my documentary work to larger funding, which I'm now in the process of gaining for my, you know, first feature film that I'm going to shoot at the end of this year, which I'm very blessed and happy to have, you know, great producing team on that. Um, but yeah, but short films was just a way where I use my limited resources to, you know, tell as many stories as I could to, to just let people know that um, I wanted to be taken seriously as far as a creative and as far as a, a writer, director, producer. Okay. Speaking of documentaries, 2015, you came out with your first documentary called Hating Obama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another, you know, a, a, a thrill ride. Um, <laughs> I, got to, I got to go down and, and live in Atlanta for eight months and make this documentary as well as the second one um, with a company called Moguldom Studios, which was mm -hmm. headed by a really good friend of mine, uh, Brett Dismuke, um, who now runs the All Black Network, where used to be UMC. And, you know, Brett brought me down there and he, he said, hey, man, I got this documentary. And the funny thing is, and this is why I tell everybody that I mentor, I'm like, you know, definitely be protective of your ideas and your, your products, but share with people that you trust what you're working on. And so that year at Sundance in like January, I had told Brett that I was already working on my own documentary about President Obama being the greatest president of all time due to everything that he was going through and all of the hatred that he was receiving. And so then Brett, after he took over at... Um, Moguldom was like, hey, we got this documentary that, would, that they're looking to get made about President Obama where you know, they want to analyze the hatred and see if it's because he's Black or because of his policies. And I was like, wow, that's right in line. And he was like, yo, the first person I thought of to direct it was you because of what I remember you telling me at Sundance. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So we got to talk about the Meet the Producing Team, um, which was led by you know, a really great um, pair, Barry, um, Barian and uh, Katina Jones. And, and we just really sat down and they pitched me their idea for what they wanted with the film. And I pitched them back, like how I would direct it and how I would put it together and they loved it. And we just went out and did it. I got to shoot it in Atlanta, Los Angeles and New York. And it was a beautiful, 
beautiful experience. Tony, would you show us that picture, that next slide, please? This gentleman in, there he is, there is that young man. <laughs> yeah, that's our man right there. And, oh, yeah. and you know what the crazy thing about that was? That, that production was meant to be um, just an online distribution because Mogulton owned all these different web websites like Gossip.com and right. Madame Noir, and they really were only going to distribute it online. But once yes. we made the film and we screened it at Urban World, um, Stars, the cable channel, picked it up. Wow. And it became a really big um, documentary that Stars actually chose to screen for almost two years. Wow. We're yeah. running a little short on time, but I got to ask you this one, sir. You are an East Coast filmmaker. And I thought of relocating here to Hollywood. Yeah, well, that's one of my next phases is that I'm looking to be out in uh, L.A. in July. And I have some, you know, really great contacts and meetings coming up through my manager, Rashidi Hendricks, um, who is, you know, really working well with me to build, you know, a platform as well as, um, you know, our entire, I call it my treasure chest of, of projects. And I'm looking forward to being out there. So hopefully I'll catch up with you and we can have some lunch together. Indeed, indeed. There's a lot of good things happening out here. The film festivals, because you go to a lot of film festivals. You want to, how yeah. many have you been to? What, 50? Oh, I've been to so many. From Sundance <laughs> to Pan-African. Pan-African is one of my favorite ones, and that's in L.A. Uh -huh. um, I've been out there to San Diego Black Film Festival. I've been out to Langston Hughes in Seattle. Um, you know, so I, 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 I run the gamut. You know what I mean? Like, I really... Uh, feel like the film festival circuit is what really helped me develop my skills and education around becoming a filmmaker. Yes. How did you and I meet each other? I believe we met each other um, at an event, but then we really started talking through Facebook. Right. And then through Facebook, we really got to message each other and really have mm -hmm. conversations and then talk to each other on the phone and just have built a really wonderful relationship um, from there. But, but, you know, I think that that community building is definitely a part of who I'm about and what I really have always strived to do, which is connect, you know, the coast you. and, and also the the, the the North and South as well, like down to Atlanta, you know, to Chicago, like just to make sure that we're all unified mm -hmm. in a sense of telling our stories and continuing to support each other. Because yeah. I, I, as I remember, I went through the IMDb book looking for names. I happened to stumble upon a couple of Brewingtons. I went, okay, let me see if I can get in touch with them. Then I said, let me let me try the Smalls family. And <laughs> showed up. There you were. I said, I'll be blessed. <laughs> yeah. Marquis yeah. Smalls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, and you got me actually doing more research on my family tree because that's one of the things of being a New Yorker who, you know, was in the projects and separated a little bit from my Southern roots. Yes. Um, and just, you know, just been, from talking to you, I found out so much more about my family and even came across some people that I could connect with recently and really looking forward to continuing to build those bonds, especially with my people down in North and South Carolina. Got you. Who were some of your filmmaker idols, people that you really look up to? Oh, well, you had to know Spike Lee was definitely my first one because I was actually in Spike Lee's doing the butt video because he shot it at my high school. Yes. Tech, um, and I got to see the master at work um when I was 15 years old and so um he definitely is George Lucas as I said I'm a Star Wars like The Empire Strikes Back was the first movie I actually saw in a the theater at at about nine or ten years old that really like made me want to make movies um so George Lucas um Steven Spielberg um Ava DuVernay um who you know just really set a, a model for just doing it yourself um, you know, people like that really stand out to me. Jamal Joseph, Warrington, the Hudlin brothers, Warrington Hudlin, um, you know, people like that really truly um, helped educate me and, and yes. show me the way as well. Mm, that's beautiful. Because when you walk up on Spike, you find, I've talked to him several times, a nice guy, yeah. fun as hell, got his sugar honey iced tea together. He right. really knows what he's doing. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. And he really, I saw him Huh? Every time I've had a chance to talk to Spike, like he's just been a gracious dude and really cool. Um, and I just always have looked up to him from the days I used to, you know, go when I was in college. We we took a two hour road trip just to go see school days because it wasn't screening at our college campus. So we had to drive two hours just to see it. And um and and just you know, looking up to all of these many, you know, oh another one I gotta mention too, Nima Barnett. Like she she just really like with her civil brand movie that really you know, open my eyes to, to a lot of things and 
and, and someone who I just met recently too, Tanya Hamilton, who made Night yeah. Catches Us. Like they just really like inspire me so much to continue to pursue, even through the rough times, um, to continue to just build. Yes. Marquise, I want to thank you for being here today. We wish you the best, the very best. Take care of yourself mm -hmm. and God bless you, sir. Thank you, Ron. I appreciate you and God bless you as well. And God bless you to all your audience. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, Marquis Smalls. This is the Access Choice. I'm your host, Ron Rowington. If you have a product, a service, an upcoming event that you'd like to see advertised on this program, please Who call 323 That's 323-533-1036. Where is everybody? Dead. Or escaped. Hello. What happened? Listen, Private. There are lots of spies here. Someone has to be in charge. Who's in charge here? Okay, just so you know, ladies and gentlemen, we primarily spotlight actors, but we cannot and will not ignore those who support the actors. My next guest today is a gentleman who's been LA's most active theatrical publicist for the past 24 years. Can I say that again? For the past 24 years. Wow, and guess what? He's also an actor, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome Philip Sokolov. Oh, hi there. Hi, Philip. How are you doing today? I'm very happy to be here. And welcome to the Actors' Choice. Pleasure to have you. 24 years. I mean, bless you. I understand that in a non-pandemic year that you represent over 100 events and several feature films annually? Yes. Ooh. True. That's true. Uh, I'm very happy that the theaters are finally opening up again. So. Say that again. Yes. That's, no. Wait a Wait. Well, you know, um, uh, several of the theaters I work with are opening outdoor productions. Yes. Uh, many of them have been uh, conducting Zoom shows um, over the past year. Um, but I think people are just hungry to see live performance. And uh, I think Zoom is great as a substitute when you, you can't be there in person. But uh, there is just something unique about live performance, yeah, the immediacy of it, the intimacy of it, uh, the physical closeness that the audience has with the actors um, that separates it from anything you see on a screen, whether it's a Zoom or a TV show or a feature film. Uh, so uh, as I say, several of the theaters I'm working with are starting out with uh, outdoor performances. Um, the uh, Sierra Madre Playhouse is doing You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, which will open on July 31st uh, in uh, Sierra Madre Memorial Park. Um, Ophelia's Jump, uh, which is um, the uh, uh, county line of Los Angeles on the east side, uh, they will be uh, doing uh, Twelfth Night uh, at the uh, Sontag Greek Amphitheater on the campus of Pomona College in Claremont starting on July the 15th. And uh, prior to that, uh, they're going to have a uh, couple of uh, cabaret evenings uh, at their uh, main facility uh, in Upland uh, at the, the Aphelius Jump Theater. Um, their uh, initial one is called Reopening Act, which, is, which pretty much explains itself. Um, then they're going to, that's going to be, uh, opening on May 28th. Uh, then for, uh, Pride Month, they're doing something called the Super Gay Cabaret, which will open on June the 11th. And then in July, at the end of July, they are planning, uh, another cabaret evening called Heroes and Villains, uh, which will be songs about here, good guys and bad guys, and, or good gals and bad gals. Uh, and so uh, that's that's going to be at the end of July. But these will all be, these three cabarets will all be outdoors in front of the theater. Uh, we're, still, we're still observing COVID protocols, uh, even though uh, the uh, theaters are, you know, even though social distancing requirements are going to be dropped in, in mid-June, but uh, just for safety's sake. Um, and also to 
uh, overcome some of the uh, resistance that people may, some people may be afraid to go back to the theater. You know, it's been a, um, it's been a very um, difficult year for many people. And um, you have to understand that they just might be a little scared about you know, being in a, in, in a, in a room uh, with people, um, even, even with uh, safety precautions in place. As you know, right now, there are counterfeit uh, uh, shot cards going around right now. Yeah. So in other words, people didn't get the shots, but they sitting next to you in the theater, just breathing on you. And, you know, you go, whoa, where would that well, come from? I have to admit, I wasn't really aware of that so much. But, but Look it up, please. Uh, yeah. but, but I'm, I'm vaccinated, so I'm safe. But, yeah. you know, uh, there are people who are, there are people who are afraid of the needle. So yes. we've been vaccinated. But, you know, I represent a couple of movie theaters in, in Hollywood, the uh, Cine Lounge Theaters. One of them is a drive-in, uh, and, and uh, the other one is an indoor space just a few blocks from it on Sunset Boulevard. And um, the, uh, uh, although, you know, I've been to the drive-in on a night when it's been packed because, you know, the cars sort of enforce social distancing right there. Mm-hmm. You're, 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 you're not next to people, you're in your own car. But uh, the indoor space, um, they're finding that they, uh, people have to get used to the idea of, of being indoors and, and watching a movie. And um, the uh, evening shows are doing fine, but the matinees are gonna have to come back a little more slowly uh, because uh, people have to get used to the idea of, of, of being inside and in, in an enclosed space with other people. Got you. Just, you've got some long-term clients, don't you? Yeah. Uh, well, Sierra Madre Playhouse is one. Uh, uh-huh. uh, Theater 40, which is uh, looks like they're going to open reopen in July. Okay. Uh, uh, they're in Beverly Hills. And um, possibly late June, more, more likely uh, early July, uh, their first show is going to be called uh, taming the lion and it's about uh the the mgm uh motion picture company and uh william haynes who was the first openly gay movie star uh this is back in the uh, 1930s uh and uh the uh, uh, trouble that he got into with uh lewis b mayer who was the head of the mgm studios and the conflict that they had and of course uh it also touches on william haynes close friendship with Joan Crawford. Uh, so uh, that was the show that was up when the theaters were shut down. In uh, it, it just opened for about a week, I guess, in, in uh, March of uh, 2020. So that is uh, coming back, um, as I say, probably early July uh, at the Theater 40, which is in, in, in Beverly Hills. Um, so, What's the difference between publicity and marketing? I hear that all the time. Well, okay, so publicity, basically I'm making the public aware that the event exists. Um, and uh, a lot of what I do is uh, to contact with media uh, to make sure uh, that uh, media understands uh, that we're there, that we want our shows reviewed, uh, that we want our shows listed in your publications, you know, mention us uh and um marketing uh, is more directly related to the selling of tickets um and uh you know locating audiences and selling tickets to the audiences now uh the audience is uh, a factor that's sometimes neglected when people put up a show oh, I've got this great script. I'm a great actor. I want to get out there and do my show. And uh, the first question I ask to almost any new client uh, is, uh, who's the audience for your show? Right. You know, uh, who's going to watch it? Um, you know, there has to be something of interest to in the audience or it has to be entertaining in some regard. People go to the theater to be entertained. And um, if your uh, show is uh, more educational than entertaining, you may want to reconsider doing it in the theater and taking it uh, on the college circuit instead. 
or or finding a community center in which to do your show as opposed to uh, renting a theater and, and putting it up because that's always a commercial proposition. Um, I don't know of anybody who gets rich doing theater, uh, but you know, uh, I certainly want to break even. Because uh, you started doing some acting yourself, didn't you? Well, I, I've I've been in over seventy plays over the years, but, but you know, I'm I was born back in nineteen hundred. So, <laughs> so so I've had a lot of years in which to get all those plays in, uh, but. Uh, I mean, can you show one of those pictures of him and, and uh, doing some stage work? I think did I send you pictures there? Yeah, no, I, I, there's one when you're doing this one. Here's one. Yes. Yeah, that was, that was uh, from uh, Theater West's production of uh, "It's a Wonderful Life." Gotcha. Um, yeah, we did it as a, we did it as a radio play uh, a couple of years ago. Gotcha. Um, and uh, oh, that one is from. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Tony. That looks great. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Rod Sterling stories from the zone. We got permission uh, to do a couple of the Twilight Zone scripts from Serling's daughter. Uh, and um, we weren't allowed to use the theme music. That was gotcha. copyright. But we uh, that was at Theater 40. And, and, I, and I got to play. We did two episodes there. So I got to play two roles there. In one, I was a frontier sheriff. And in another one, I was a crazy old coot. Which seems to be the, the typecasting that's happening to me. Um, I did want to mention a couple of the other uh, long-term clients I have: um, the Roby Theater Company, uh, which is uh, Los Angeles' most awarded African American theater company, and uh, the Roby Theater Company is dedicated to be uh, pre, uh, presenting stories of the global Black experience, and um, they're. Um, going to be participating in the Black Wall Street Festival. Yes. They're, getting, they're getting together with two New York theater companies, uh, the uh, Shades of Truth Theater and the New Heritage Theater Company. And they'll be doing uh, online, um, presenting uh, three short plays mm -hmm. um, that deal with the impact of the uh, Tulsa massacre, which took place um, exactly 100 years ago next month. Yes, it was on 60 Minutes last night, if you didn't see it. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and CNN is doing a special on it, and, yes. and, and because it's the 100th anniversary, so um, yes. uh, we're going to be um, uh, opening on the uh, on the 1st, which was the uh, direct anniversary, on the 1st of June, yes. uh, on the Queen's Public Library platform, and then we'll, we'll be back later in June, from June 22 to June 27 on the uh, Shades of Truth Theater platform. So if you go to the uh, the Roby Theater Company.org, you can find uh, all the details about how to access um, these stories. Okay. Uh, the uh, Another uh, long-term uh, client that I have is the uh, Los Angeles Women's Theater Festival. And I've been with them for uh, 20 years. And um, they're- My good friend. Yes, Adila. Adila Barnes, yes. yes. Uh, she is the co-founder with Miriam Reed. And uh, for uh, they've been around now for uh, 28 years. Mm -hmm. And I've been around for, this is my 21st year with them. Uh, and uh, on June 19, um, they're doing uh, a virtual evening called Hot Off the Press. And it's yes. uh, to coincide with Juneteenth, uh, which is um, an unofficial African-American holiday. Yeah. It relates to when uh, uh, people in Texas finally found out at the end of the Civil War that uh, slavery had been abolished, like, even though the Emancipation Proclamation was declared in 1863, where it didn't get to parts of Texas until 1865. So on June 19, it's called Juneteenth, and so this a virtual evening cut off the press uh, will deal with stories that relate to Juneteenth. Gotcha. We got just a few moments left. I didn't want, wouldn't want to get in one thing that you've done. You finally got on the top movies. In 1993, you did your first IMDb TV movie role. It was called Running Delilah. Yes. Uh, that was, uh, yeah, it was uh, a movie. Uh, it was a backdoor pilot at ABC 
a two-hour backdoor pilot with uh, Kim Cattrall and Billy Zane, who are just lovely people. Yes. Uh, and so I show up in the last 10 minutes. I'm, um, I, I played an Iraqi nuclear scientist. Uh, Diana Rigg played her boss, but I didn't get to meet her. Uh, she wasn't there on the days I was there. I'm sorry I didn't, because I'm a big, big fan of hers. Um, the most recent thing I did uh, was uh, for the Roby Theater Company. We had the Paul Robeson birthday celebration about a month ago. And I was in a, uh, a, a Zoom play with Danny Glover, called Re Revolutionary Genocide. And he played the uh, early civil rights activist, William Lorenzo Patterson. And I played a prosecuting attorney. And you can find that on the Roby Theater Company's YouTube channel. So uh, uh, under the Paul Robeson birthday celebration. Okay. And um, I want to. I hate to do this to you, but we're out of time. I sincerely thank you for being here today. We got to get you back again because you you're just getting started. The very best to you, definitely, definitely, ladies and gentlemen. Philip Solo Sokolov. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. My pleasure. This is the actor's choice. I'm your host, Ron Brewington. Roll it, Tony. Hi, my name is Elisa Bocanegra, and I'm producing artistic director of Hero Theater. I'm Puerto Rican uh, from New York. I was actually born in Newark, New Jersey. I'm the youngest of eight kids. Uh, my parents are from Puerto Rico. Uh, I started acting at the age of 16. Uh, I began my career with the Puerto Rican Traveling Theater Company in New York. Uh, I took free classes with the Raul Julia Training Unit. And I spent uh, one season at OSF, and I spent also two years in the school visit program, which is where I met my associate artistic director at Hero Theater, Gabe Figueroa. Ladies and gentlemen, to say that my next guest is busy, <laughs> that's an understatement. As you just saw in our intro clip, this lady certainly has a lot going on for her, as you will see in the next few moments. She's the founder and artistic director of the Hero Theater. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Alicia Bocanegro. Thank you, Ron. It's an honor to be here. It's a pleasure to have you. When I look at your resume, and of course, that wonderful publicist that you got, I'm not going to mention her name, Lucy Pollack. But, but Amazing, but, right? <laughs> but, but thank you so much for being here today. You have certainly done a lot of things over short years. I know your family and friends are very, very proud of you. Thank you. I would like to think so. I come from a very large Puerto Rican family. There's a lot of love, it's very yes. loud love. <laughs> good food and good food. Amazing food. Yes. Amazing I was born in New York City, raised in New York City. Tons of Puerto Ricans around us. Yes. Ah, the food. Yes. <laughs> What's your favorite one? Mofogo? Mofogo. Mofogo. I, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. All right. <laughs> you got my attention. Yeah, uh -huh, definitely. Mm. Oh, we're running out of time here. Let's start with the, oh, I love that. What's the start of the Hero Theater? Tell us about when and how it started, please. Hero Theater started 10 years ago. August will be, August 11th will be our 10-year birthday. And it actually started backstage at the Roundabout Theater Company, New York. I was playing Olympia Dukakis's Sassy Maid in a play. Um, it was a non-English speaking role. And Olympia um, said to me, you know, you're funny, you're a clown, you're too good to be doing this part. What's your deal? And, you know, we shared a lot of stories backstage. We would wait in the wings forever. They always called us earlier than we needed to be backstage because the two of us were always like laughing and joking around and we would almost miss our entrances. <laughs> so, um, yeah, she, she inspired me to start a company. And she said, this company should help yourself and people like you your community and so hero theater was born yeah as you all as everybody knows mr caucus passed about three weeks ago and she will be missed she was 89 years old tony can you show that picture of her please uh, lady 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 you got a lot for us thank you thank you thank you it's so thank you. much right ron yes it's much yes. to be grateful for what a life yeah what is the mission of the hero theater um, mission of Hero Theater is to amplify voices that we feel need to be heard now um, and to tell stories of a true America, i.e. Um, what's happening to a lot of marginalized communities, specifically communities of color. 
um, and to find creative ways to not only use the classics, but amplify uh, new voices coming through um, and, and cause social change with the work that we put out there. We started out with wanting to give more opportunities for black and brown artists to do the classics. Once we felt that that started, that wheel started to move more, um, and that was 10 years ago, we wanted to kind of start to reframe what the classes look like, classics look like. So we started to bring um, playwrights like Maria Irene Fornes and great uh, female writers of color uh, to the forefront of the American canon. Uh, um, the next play that I'm doing work on is called Tea by Valina Hasu Houston, um, who's a black and Japanese playwright. And that play was written 30 years ago. We're gonna be presenting it as our first full production after the pandemic. And Olympia happened to be one of the early producers of that play. I understand you've done a little, little work with the LA Times and, uh, and to make, and uh, they, they know you too. they know you're there. There you are, there you are, yes. <laughs> <laughs> they do, I am grateful for um, the work uh, that, uh, that, that the LA Times that Charles McNulty wrote about Maria Irene Fernez, when yes. we were trying to bring Irene's work, she was dying of Alzheimer's. And we were really trying to bring her work into the forefront because it's taught a lot in schools um, and universities, but not really produced. And Irene had won 11 Obie Awards. She was a Cubana. Um, you know, she, uh, her, she had a thick accent um, and she's a queer woman. And I think that, in those days, that, those were seen as taboos. So playwrights like Sam Shepard and John Guare, her counterparts, kind of made it into the mainstream of American theater. But Irene did not. And I just thought that that was a huge injustice. And before she passed away, I, I, I kind of made it everything, my lot in life, to make hero theater for two, three years, just focus on her work and bring the work out there. So the Times did give us some generous coverage about that. Where is the location of the hero theater? I think you froze for a second, but yeah. you're asking the location of Hero. Um, our, our, we, for the past uh, six years, uh, have been the company resident down at the Rosenthal Theater downtown at Inner City okay. Arts. But now with the pandemic, that's changing. And we're currently, you know, that's changing according to their needs and, and how they're going to be able to open their facilities. So um, we're waiting to hear... I think the onus is to continue performing. So gotcha. going to be spaces that are opening up, um, you know, that are going to be welcoming companies. In, and so we're looking forward to that. Gotcha. Now, I understand you are a favorite amongst the local theater critics. <laughs> they like you. <laughs> well, as an actor, I, you know, when I came out here, Ron, like many actors who come out from New York, I was doing... of Latinx playwrights like Luis Alfaro and then the late Diane Rodriguez um, who's a director and a playwright and they kept using me and I found an artistic home here in Los Angeles and I said there's so much theater in LA and, and I stayed I just loved it plus the weather's warm like Puerto Rico so it reminds me of my childhood you know <laughs> what uh, town in, uh, in Puerto Rico did you live in Aguadilla it's okay. on the West Coast, about 30 minutes outside of Rincón. Rincón is very popular because that's where all the surf is on the island. Okay. I had a friend who <laughs> lived in Mayagüe. That's why I asked that question. I know Mayagüe. It's, yes. it's very close to Aguadilla. It's not far at all. It's the main gotcha. city. Elisa, you're always doing some, for example, Spill. L.A. Theater work by Lee Bondakowski. Yes. Yes. I love that piece because I really I like working for LA Theater Works a whole bunch. I did a tour with them, um, and I, I did this play was about the oil spill, so it's about environment, and I'm very focused on environmental justice. I got to play a couple of different characters on that and learn how to do a radio play, which has it's challenging, yes, but it was yes, fun. Yes, and I see you got a 10 year environmental justice film talent project uh, called Nuestro Planeta. Yes. Um, the reason I did, I, we created Nuestro Planeta was because after Hurricane Maria, I saw that my family in Puerto Rico was still living under very unhealthy conditions after two yes. three years. And I just thought, you know what, we need to make our people aware of the climate crisis and what's happening and how we're living in such vulnerable areas. And, um, you know, so that we can reclaim our, 
our land, right, Ron? Got so you. it's about connecting our, our people to the earth again, you know? Gotcha. We got a clip of a, a film of uh, your hero of the play on Shakespeare. Can you show that one on Shakespeare? There's a bunch of you guys, and you're in it. <laughs> Number 44 did it. There it is. There it is. There, yeah, there it is. Oh. Yeah. Yes, I was very grateful for that opportunity. Yes. Um, it was good. the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. Yeah, well, thank you. One of gotcha. my artistic homes is the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. And they gave us the opportunity to do this. Gotcha. You and I need to sit down one day and talk about one of my biggest bones. Anybody who watches me all the time know I have a, a problem with some actors and actresses who won't get up on the stage. They'll do film and TV, but they don't want to get up on the stage. I'd love to sit down and get your point of view about it. I'd love to do that. Right. This project that you guys do over the, at the college, uh, Hero Theater, it's really, I understand that you welcome first time theater people to the, to the, uh, to see it, mm -hmm. as well as to give them, it's free or low cost admission. <laughs> it's That's free cool. to low cost. We've done, we try to mix it, right? So that we have some shows that are paying and some that are not, yes. so that everyone can enjoy our shows. And yes. we, we've had like families come in that can't afford babysitters and they bring their children in and we welcome everyone to the theater. That's okay. You know, in those Elizabethan times, folks didn't have the nannies and all those things. And they brought the families, you know, they talk back. And in a lot of ways, it reminds me of my family because my family would bring their kids straight up and speak to the audience and speak to the actors while they work. It's just uh, bringing theater back to what it originally was, which was such a place for the people to tell our stories and to feel a human connection. There's nothing like it. There is nothing like it. I love when you get in those theaters where they would be people right there, just, just reach out and just touch them just like that. Oh, it's so well. Yes. So many good theaters oh, in this yes. town. How many theaters do we have in this town, by the way? Infinity. It seems like there's so many. Right? Many, yeah. I think uh, Julio Martinez had told me there was more theater produced here than anywhere in the country at one point. And I was like, what? Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Then I could believe it at the same time. Because <laughs> it's hard to get folks in the audiences sometimes. There's a lot going on. Yes, indeed. Well, we still got a little time. Talk about if you were funding for your theater. Mm -hmm. Can we um, talk about that? Funding for my theater. We're, yes. we're always welcoming donations on our website, herotheater.org. Um, we just entered into the grant stratosphere. Um, for so long, smaller companies were shut out, sh uh, shut out. And I think that with the pandemic, folks are starting to look at smaller companies that are, you know, many of us are BIPOC founded and run. And uh, they're wanting to help us out more. So that's amazing. But we are always welcoming donations. We always need the help. We're about to launch a huge fundraising campaign. You know, to bring us. Can you give us that website location again, please? Can you give us the website Hero location Theater. again, please? Yes, herotheater.org. Outstanding. Outstanding. Yes, like superhero. <laughs> yeah. Bring your money, folks. This organization can use it. Definitely. Definitely. You went out there to Occidental College and you did something out there, didn't you? Yeah, I got to work with some students. Uh, I directed a new play at Occidental College, and that was an, that was a really uh, nice experience because I had found out later that that was President Obama's first college. Mm -hmm. I was like, he didn't what? graduate from there. A lot of people they think, oh, he graduated. No, he didn't. He went there I for know. two years. I know, but still, that was two years, and so that was uh, great <laughs> to be on that campus. And the students were wonderful, and the theater is spectacular there. It's a gorgeous yes. theater space. Um, you know, I'm an early career director because I've been an actor for so many years. Felt like the natural progression, you know? Yeah. So uh, I was appreciative uh, for the opportunity that Occidental gave me. Yeah. Great campus. Uh, campus. My daughter went there for, for four years and got an undergrad work and then went and got a master's degree at another subject. But I used to love it out there at Occidental. And they have track and field. Yeah, well, you know, it's a nice place. And they got theater. That's, that's <laughs> the word. Theater. Okay. <laughs> you got off into... Uh, being in movies, the first one you did was called Girl Fight. Mm -hmm. um, it won at Sundance. It was one of those things that um, it was very low paying, low budget, independent film. Uh -huh. uh, it paid like $100 a day. and We would work all day on a set. And yes. I did it because I was doing so much non-paying theater that I was going hungry in New York, <laughs> literally. And so um, uh, the movie won at Sundance. And I got a call from Brian Dodd. Robbins, who's the executive producer of Blackish now, and uh, Brian was uh, just a very new manager in the field. He was just so young, still in his 20s, and he said, I saw you in this film, and I'm really interested in bringing you out to L.A. 
So that's how I came out here. Now he's on the board of my theater company, Imperial Theater. So, yeah. <laughs> you want to see yourself in action on, in, on a movie called Shelf Life? Remember that movie? Hit it, Tony. Oh, yeah. Hit it. Her in the rehab. <laughs> She's a fine example of the kind of effect oh, I'll have on this city. Have you ever worked in a library before, Nikki? No. Three hundred of us in the graduating oh, class. So there was no memories. way she didn't recognize me. No way! Ronald, this is Nikki. Hi, I'm Ronald. Please don't discuss library matters with Nikki. In fact, we didn't even hire her. I don't like her. She's great. For what I didn't expect, she would start recruiting allies from the inside. I did what, huh? Do you want to get a drink sometime after What's work? next for you, my dear? What's next for you? Um, well, I've been workshopping on and off um, a new Broadway musical, yeah. um, which has been exciting to have the opportunity to sing again, because I haven't done that since I was a little girl in New York. Um, and then we're reopening Hero Theater at the end of August with Flets by Candace Jones. Um, so it's a that's that's a play about an all female high school uh, black basketball team uh, set in rural Arkansas, and it's a very exciting play. So we're going to be doing a extraordinarily elaborately stage reading directed by Corey Jackson, and we are presenting that free to the public. And it's going to be our ten year anniversary uh, production. So I hope everyone comes out for the party. There might be little cakes shaped like basketballs. Ladies and gentlemen, I tell you the lady was full of energy with a lot of things on her plate. It's a <laughs> pleasure to have met you, Elisa. I thank you very, very, very much. It's such an honor, Ron. Thank you so much. It's really a privilege and an honor to meet you. Thank you, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, Elisa Bocanegra. I want to thank our sponsors, Harvey Bramman Photography is an Art, Ron Irwin's Haiku, Style, Passion, Heart, Larry Buford's Book to the Future, Time Travel, Message in a Capsule, State Farm agent Carla Green and veteran actor Rob Brownstein's acting training school and actor's space. Much, much thanks to our guest today, producer, director, writer, Marquise Smalls, publicist, actor, Bill Sokoloff, and of course, founder of the uh, artistic school and, and the artistic director, Hero, uh, that's uh, Hero Theater, Elisa Wokanera. And of course, special thanks to every growing worldwide audience. Be well, we will see you next time that you see us, we will be doing our 250th episode. So we're real happy. Come on and join us on down that day. Really peace. Take care now. Thank you, Ron. I will never not watch you. I'm going to watch you forever. <laughs> lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.